Welcome to QU Hot Takes. Oh, yes. It's about time. What's poppin'? Ladies and germs, my name is Andrew White alongside Kevin Slattery and Justin Ellis over the airwaves. And Andrew Marshall will be on pretty soon. Uh, Kevin, how are we doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. You know, getting ready for Easter. You know, maybe maybe order a little ham. Get, have some little Chick-fil-A sauce on the side with the ham. You know, Easter is one of my favorite holidays because of the ham. I'm a big ham guy. I think ham's underrated. I, I respect that because I personally don't like ham, but that's probably why it's overrated. Uh, underrated, excuse me, my bad. Justin, how are we doing this evening? I'm doing great. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. is my holiday, so glad to be here. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. So thank you. Oh. And, and welcome. Just found out, ladies and germs. I've already said that once, but just found out that Kevin is coming back to QU on Sunday. How excited are you, Kev? Because I'm excited. If anybody doesn't know, Kevin's my roommate, and I've been missing out on him for the past semester. So, well, this semester, and now I get to have him back for our last month together on this campus. I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, I also wanted to come back because I wanted to check out that bar food. Of course. Um, the QE bar. You know, get get the nachos and the pulled pork or something. So that that also was a big factor. That was in my top five reasons. Uh, but I was, I was in your top three, right? Yeah, you, you were like one. Oh, all right. Look at that. That's adorable. Thank you. For all the times yeah, we I made, know how to kiss up to people. <laughs> all the times we make fun of each other, we can say some nice things sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's start with sports, and let's end with sports, and let's continue to talk about more sports. So, the Dolphins have traded some picks and such prior to the draft that's happening in just a few weeks. Justin, would you like to tell everybody specifically what the, uh, it was pick swaps, correct? Sorry, I was navigating my computer. No, yeah. you're, you're good. You're good. Yes, it was basically a bunch of, I mean, pick swaps is one way to put it, but I, I think it's a lot more about the kind of value that the 49ers feel is there at the number three pick. So if we're kind of just highlighting what we saw over this weekend, we see that the 49ers trade away three first-rounders, one of which was this year, to the Dolphins to move up to that number three slot. And on top of that, you see the Dolphins probably being one of the niftiest. It's kind of like that draft day movie where the Browns GM trades five different times in the movie. (laughs) Um, The Dolphins now also trade up and give up a first rounder next year to take the Eagles pick at number six and move the Eagles back to 12. So you're seeing a lot of draft movement. This is the first time that we've seen multiple top six picks be traded in, I think, either five or ten years. It was some, it was, it's been a long time since we've seen this much movement, especially pre-draft. So it definitely gives that kind of inclination that um, this quarterback class is something that teams really want a piece of, and they're trying to get a piece of it early. Okay, so how far back, how far back did the Dolphins go by giving away that that third spot? Um, so the Dolphins initially went back nine and moved back up six. So they only ended up moving back three spots and get a ton of capital from it. So they're at the number six pick right now. Yes. Okay. So first of all, I think that's a huge dub for the Dolphins specifically. Um, 
but if if you are now the Dolphins and you've backed up from three to six, what do you think was in their head? Was there somebody at three that they think they could have gotten at six? So that's why they did this, uh, assuming that they just want to keep Tagovailoa? Or what are your thoughts, Justin? I mean, I, I'm pretty sold that this is a – the wide receiver class seems to be losing value as we get closer to draft day. People are seeming a bit unsure, and we're seeing thirsty quarterback teams. So I definitely think the Dolphins are thinking wide receiver at this pick. Uh, I, I really, I, I think I said this last week too, the Dolphins really need a bolster at wide receiver. I don't think Devontae Parker and Will Fuller and Mike Gusecki is enough at this point. Um, I definitely think they needed something a bit more. I think if they would have kept the pick they had, there was a good shot they were going to either overdraft a wide receiver or go offensive lineman. So I feel like they're just looking out to try to give Tua or whoever's playing there a bit more weapons to better evaluate the quarterback situation. Okay. And Kevin, I'll ask you if, if that is the case and they go for these receiver types. Um, after today with Kyle Pitts running a 4-4 and that broad jump and all that stuff, do you think that's a guy that's going to be gone before the Dolphins even have that sixth pick? Or are they going to stick with their Devonta Smith? Or what are you thinking they're going to do with that? I would lean towards Devonta Smith because I think Gusecki, while maybe not a top two tight end in the league, is definitely, I think, a top ten guy, arguably. And I'm actually really more intrigued with San Fran because you're looking at the draft order. The Jaguars are probably going to take Trevor Lawrence. The Jets are probably going to take Zach Wilson. Which one of the quarterbacks potentially at three do they really like? Is it Mac Jones? Is it Trey Lance? Is it, um, you know, is it Justin Fields? There's a lot of questions because there might be a guy who's underrated or that they feel is being underrated that they love. Or do they love a guy who's not a quarterback and they love him so much that they wanted to trade up for him. You know, that's a that's a tough call. You know, they could pull a Gettleman and and get and get Danny Dimes when nobody thinks they're getting Danny Dimes. But I don't know if I if I had to take a guess, and we'll go to the Eagles after this. We'll kind of blend these things together in terms of the Jimmy G situation in San Fran. With so Justin proposed a question of whether or not Jimmy G will be starting in San Fran. After these moves for, for the drafting and such, moving up to three for San Fran, I am a strong believer that, yes, Kev, it will be one of those three quarterbacks. I think, I think they're going to grab Justin Fields if the Jets don't get him, and he will be starting. I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo starting for San Fran. I, I know, you know the consensus would be, hey, you, you watch Jimmy G for a year and whatnot. And maybe that is what will happen. But my hot take is Jimmy G will be riding the bench, and whoever that third pick is, well, hopefully it's a quarterback, will be the one throwing the, slinging the ball around uh, come fall time. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree that I think this is the Justin Fields pick now. Like, I, I 100% believe it's Lawrence Wilson Fields as far as these teams seem to be planning the draft. I really think that the 49ers are going to run with Garoppolo, though, this for this um, season. Mm. I understand, like, Garoppolo has had a lot of injuries, but I, I just feel like this team has made it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. That he's going to get a shot out there. Is this a Jared Goff situation where maybe that defense really did carry the team? And after Jared Goff had that loss to the Patriots, he just never looked the same. I mean, it, it's plausible. But I do think that the 
49ers are not ready to quit on Jimmy Garoppolo this season, or at least not until you get close to the trade deadline of this season. I, I fully expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be the week one starter, but I would not be surprised if you see him get traded around the trade deadline to a team that's floating around 500, because you're going to have more time to make it up with games with the additional game they're adding this season. There's going to be opportunities to there's gonna be an extra game for teams to give that new quarterback and give Garoppolo a chance somewhere else if he's performing efficiently enough that it could push a team to a playoff run. And I mean, obviously this is like a hot ticket name to say, but just saying the pa- Jimmy Garoppolo back with the Patriots just seems almost perfect considering I don't think Cam Newton's gonna be all that. And I think they could get a pretty good trade off if Garoppolo's mediocre coming out of the gate. Well, let me let me ask Kev this before we before we move on specifically from the Jimmy G thing. Kev, do you think let's just take let's just take Justin's situation and and make it reality where he's playing most of the season or at least until that that trade deadline is whoever that quarterback is that's drafted at three. Are we going to have a situation from in past drafts where quarterbacks you know they're always talking smack should have been drafted early yada yada yada. Will they be upset if they're not starting over Jimmy G? I think potentially on the on the guy, yes. If I think a guy like Mac Jones, honestly, who Mac Jones might be a sleeper man because this Alabama offense this past year, the year before we saw LSU's offense, and we're like, oh, there's never going to be an offense like that. But if you look at the peripheral numbers of just what Bama did this year, it was similar to what LSU did the year before. And Mac Jones, he's a guy who's a senior kind of has always been slept on was a guy who was backing up for most of his college career comes in as a senior. And that might be a red flag to some people, but he's a guy who's worked in a high octane offense. And if he feels he's slinging the ball as well as Jimmy G there's that ego thing. I mean, Jimmy G had that ego with Brady, you know, he had that with the goat. He was like, Hey, I feel like I'm better than Tom Brady. I feel like I can throw the ball better down the field. And, you know, he ended up having to leave (laughs) because of that. (laughs) But at the same time, that's that's a possibility. I think in an environment like this where you have guys who all feel that they should be starters or guys who are coming in and confident to get to this level, I think you're bound to see conflict. That being said, I'd be surprised if they moved off of Jimmy G, if they started the year with Jimmy G and then moved off him in the middle of the season only because of the impact it could have in the locker room between maybe some veteran guys who like Jimmy. Um, again, it could be different if the team's starting off bad, but I feel like if they're going to make a decision on quarterback, they're going to want to start the season with that decision and not have it interrupt and at any point any momentum. And and I, I'll say that, like, I just think that if any quarterback goes into the NFL and is thinking, I deserve to start week one, I, I think they're wrong personally. I, I really think that there is very few rookies who come out who should be starting week one. I mean, we look at the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons and even Tua this season. They did not start week one. They were in the later half of the first round. But some of the better quarterbacks that we have been seeing in recent draft years have been quarterbacks that have not started till the second season. And I wholeheartedly believe that, um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence might be an exception based off of the team you get put, he gets put on. If it is the Jags, I don't think there's anyone there to really mentor him. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fair mentor. I think if the Jets even started Zach Wilson, even had drafted Zach Wilson and kept Sam Darnold, I think Sam Darnold would even be a fair mentor. 
And, and I think additionally, I, I keep bringing up this uh, new thing about the week 17 games, which I know we're going to get into eventually, but they have one less preseason game now too. That's one less of in-game action against another team's defense, the game plan and game script. So if you don't have the opportunity to play as many preseason games, I think rookie quarterbacks will take another week or two to be ready in a regular season action. I mean, yeah. I definitely don't expect Trevor Lawrence to be hot out the gate. It's going to be extremely difficult um, for rookies to adjust to offenses and also to expect rookies to be ready to play 17-week seasons. It's going to be a grind for these young players to come out here and play at these high levels. Their bodies may be youthful, but they are not used to the rigor, and I think – Whoever is drafted by the 49ers should 100% be happy to take their large paycheck and sit behind Garoppolo for eight-plus weeks. Oh, I thought, Kev, you might have wanted to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that is the healthier way, though. If you do wait to start a quarterback and you wait till the second season, that I think Justin's right. That has paid dividends. Um my only concern is, I mean, you saw the whole thing with Fitzmagic and Tua. He was like, oh, you know, I, I thought I was going to be the starter for this year. And I know they drafted Tua, but that was my expectation. Um, my personal belief is just as realistic as it is for people to have that expectation. A lot of these guys, because of their mindsets, the competitiveness, just don't. And San Fran's in an interesting spot because I appreciate the all-in move they made because I think they would have had to, otherwise they, they were going to stagnate. But, I mean, there's a multitude of possibilities. Multitude. Yeah, and I mean, I'm personally against the 49ers trade just because I feel like this past season and even the season before their Super Bowl run, they were hampered by injuries to an extent that very few teams have ever had to deal with in probably their franchise history. Um, so I feel like, this is a bit of an extreme move to give up three first rounders, but I, I do agree with Kev that they're, they're probably fearing being stagnant. Jimmy Garoppolo looks stagnant. It obviously shows that they're not he- happy with how his health is doing at this point, but I will say Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think deserved a bit more credit. If Jimmy Garoppolo is playing and they're like five and three at mid season, I would not be selling Garoppolo and I would be continuing to start Garoppolo. I think Fitzpatrick got a bit, uh, yeah, agreed. beat up in his situation for a team with a winning record that everyone was already saying was a playoff contender to then switch the quarterback was a rare circumstance that I don't think we're used to seeing with franchises. Part, part of me thinks that was a, mar- a marketing move low key where a lot of people in Miami for some reason, I shouldn't say for some reason, but they just wanted to watch Tua play. They're like, put, put, put Tua out there. We love him. We, we're already playing well. If it's, they're thinking if Fitzpatrick can do it, then so could Tua Tagovailoa, not realizing that college is a different piece from the NFL. But I really think that was a strong thing. And I know people, you know, you could just say coaches, they base everything based off of talent, whatever. But they probably saw them in pretty similar levels of talent. And they figured if the fans wanted it so bad, they, I think they wanted to see if the hype was real in, in real time. Yeah, I think that's completely plausible. I mean... Fans, you know, if they see a good player, they just want him in the game for whatever reason. They're not going to rationalize like that. Like that. They're going to say, oh, wow, that guy was a star at Bama. He was a college football star. Put him in the game. What are we doing? Like, fans have that mindset of win now. And Fitzmagic, I mean, he can ride a hot, hot wave, but, you know, Dolphins are starving for that franchise QB. They're, they don't look at Fitzpatrick like he's a franchise guy. 
They haven't had a franchise guy since Marino. True. True. They might be looking at Tagovailoa like that unless he plays like last season, of course. But he was he was thrown in there. He was just thrown in there, tossed into a burning flame, for sure. Yes. Okay. Justin Ellis, Mr. Eagles fan. So we're going to talk about the stuff that happened to the Eagles as well. The only thing that I know of, and so you can correct me if I'm wrong with all of this information, but the Eagles traded backwards to now have the 12th pick of the draft. Am I correct? You're on the money. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to ask you how you feel about it, if you think it was a good move or not a good move, but I just want to point out real quick, it's going to be a a double question here, kind of. Do you think any, you know, we discussed last show that the the Eagles should get a receiver of some sort. Do you think any of those high-end receivers will still be there at 12? Do you think the Eagles thought somebody would still be there at 12? Or do they just not care enough? And then your overall thoughts. Because in my opinion, I'm not quite sure between Smith, Chase, Pitts, and even Waddle. I don't know if any of those people will be available at 12. I was... I think wide receiver value is depreciating, and I 100% think that either Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith will be there at 12. My guess is Jalen Waddle, and I think the Eagles will take Jalen Waddle at 12, assuming he's there. I don't think Pitts will be there. I I really think we we even talked about the Giants like right before them. Between the Giants, and I would say even the Cowboys, they have okay tight ends, but like either of those teams could easily just be like, I want to keep up building up my offense and bring in Pitts. I mean. Literally, the guy ran a four four five. Absurd. <laughs> I mean, that Absurd. was that was 0.01 seconds slower than Justin Fields. I'm like Jesus. He's he. Any, he, I think he said he thinks he's going to be the best tight end in the NFL. I, I will never not buy that at this point. I, I think he's a stud. But um, as far as like how I feel about the Eagles' move, it's it's risky. I think they are putting their money on that there is going to be a wide receiver sitting there at pick 12. Um, but they've also now set themselves up in a very interesting situation for next year. I mean, they took a, they took an additional first-rounder from the Dolphins. They have their current first-rounder. And if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the Colts' snaps this year, their conditional second-rounder will turn into a first from the Colts. Oh, that's right. So then you're looking at them having three first-rounders. Let's say in a world, and I don't think this is going to be reality, let's say in a world that Jalen Hurts is extremely underperforms and he just does not look like the franchise quarterback. The Eagles could very easily trade three first-rounders in Jalen Hurts and find themselves with a top-draft quarterback next year. So really, it's a risk for this year. It definitely seems like the Eagles are punting the season, in my opinion. Um but they're they're going to give Jalen Hurts the shot for the season. It sounds like, and we'll see if he looks close enough to a franchise quarterback for them to not trade him. And if they decide not to trade him, they have a lot of value next year to grab probably whatever wide receiver they want, probably whatever cornerback they want. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of it personally. I would have rather had a Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase guaranteed. But I, if, if you're playing the long game and you have a, even a slight fear that Jalen Hurts might not be your franchise guy. Um, I think it's the right move. I'm really big on Jalen Hurts, though. He would have yeah. won the Heisman yeah. like any year besides when Joe Burrow had that year. He yeah. was he was an explosive player, and I really think he showed that in his five games he played for the Eagles. So uh, I'm in on Jalen, and I'm in on um, giving him weapons. So definitely, I I, I think he's a, a great 
a great option there. But as we've talked about for the Eagles, if there is somebody like Watto waiting at number 12, they'll probably get somebody like Tony from Florida and be like, oh, crap, that was the wrong wide receiver from the SEC. We messed up. <laughs> but well, maybe they'll they'll do it right. But Kevin, for that 12th pick, do you think of those four receivers slash, I mean, I'm calling Pitts a receiver in this sense, do you think they will be around for that Eagles pick at 12? I think Waddle has the best chance of being around. I think Smith and Pitts are probably less likely because, I mean, some people are saying that Pitts is potentially a top five pick. You know, it, it's it's debatable where some of these guys go. It's debatable where, where Smith goes. But I'd be surprised if those guys will last until 10 just because of the high-end talent, the Pitts combine performance, Smith, what we saw all season long. I mean, how often do you never really see a wide receiver win the Heisman? I mean, that, that yeah. was an absurd season. I, I think Philly, I think they're at a point where Roseman knows that they're in a, they're in a rebuild, a soft rebuild. And I think they're going to want to see what Jalen Hurts can do. Um, they could have done that in the final game of the season, but they put in Nate Sudfeld instead. Um <laughs> I mean, you know, so there's that. So now they kind of have to see a little bit more with, you know, a little bit of a smaller sample size. But you're right. I mean, if Hertz isn't the guy, then they can just test with another quarterback. I mean, college football has been producing quality quarterbacks now for numerous years at these high-level programs, at Clemson, Bama. Like, at the very least, you're, you're getting manageable starters, and I think Hertz has – potential to be a low-end starter maybe not a high-end franchise guy but I think he's a good option right now for the Eagles he's the best option they have but I think he's also a good option for a rebuild yeah and I'll I'll even add we talked about we mentioned Nate Sudfeld um <laughs> in that week 17 game uh there this might be a bit of a news or noise quick update but Joe Flacco said that he um he didn't come to sit on the bench and be the backup and some people might think that's noise. I honestly think it's news. Uh, I, I just think with uh, Sirianni and at head coach, I think Joe Flacco fits the offensive scheme that the Colts have been running for a while now, more than Jalen Hurts does. Um, and I feel like they kind of use the Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett one-two punch. And I got to say, it makes me a bit nervous as an Eagles fan to hear Flacco think that he might have a shot because I, I buy it a tiny bit that there is that there could very possibly be a lightweight quarterback battle taking place here, which I think is a huge mistake, but I, I'm not selling on that comment yet. So I think that's definitely something to watch yeah. this game progress. I agree with you, and I hate that news. I hate that news. They're, they're talking about a man, a, a man who at one point in his career won whatever it was, Super Bowl MVP or something or other, and ever since then – has been a boy among men in football. He he's not good at football. I I, I don't understand why why teams and himself, the egomaniac that he seems to be, I didn't even know that was said, is is just riding the wave of nine years ago. Am I am I as lost as I just don't understand why he still thinks he's at some sort of high high level. I think Howie I mean, Roseman just tells people so that he can be like Hey Joe, here's the plan. You're gonna come in, and uh, we're really good about our Super Bowl MVPs. So we'll let uh, 
You're going to be the next Nick Foles out here. We're going to injure Jalen Hurts in week 13. You're going to come lead the team down the way. I'm sure there's a playbook made specifically for Joe Flacco. That's all RPOs for days. It's, I, I mean, for, for me with Philly, this is like very Jetsy to me, what Philly's doing right now. It, because if you, if you think Flacco's the guy for this year, right, and then you're kind of plugging and playing with Hurts, by the time next season rolls around, and if you draft a quarterback, then you're going to be like, oh, well, we need a quarter. We have a quarterback competition between Hertz and whatever other guy we bring in. And you could have known what Hertz was as a NFL quarterback this year. But instead, like you're playing Flacco, who like he's 34, 35, like that, like that's not your future. That's not your franchise. He's not going to be here in five years. Joe Andy B- Dalton starting for the Bears. I believe anything's possible now. <laughs> I find it alarming that the Bear. I just. I, I I've said this. I've said. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to digress a little bit here because Justin, you, you've brought up a just just a comment that that riles me to the core. I'm not even an Eagles fan. I I've said this before. And I'm going to say it again. I am sick and tired of teams that just decide they want to keep recycling through all all these free agent QBs for as long as they want because they're as good as they were 5, 10, 11, 3,000 years ago. They're not good anymore, a lot of these guys. The Andy Daltons of the world, the, the, the Flacco's of the world. It's driving me mad that nobody's trying out new people. But that's all I'll say. Well, I will say that uh, Howie Roseman said during the middle of last season, and this comment is probably my least favorite comment that any Eagles person has ever said. Well, never mind. Deshaun Jackson said some really bad stuff. But um, <laughs> the second worst comments I've ever heard, Howie Roseman was like, I want us to be a quarterback factory. I want us to keep bringing in quarterbacks, make them really good, and then get a ton of stuff for them. And no, that's not how the NFL works. You get one quarterback that's really good, you teach them to be good, and then they play. So anytime I, ever since then, I've really been out on Roseman. The quarterback factory idea just doesn't work. Um, And I don't know, maybe they think um, they can use scrap parts of Joe Flacco. I don't know what they would take from him. Maybe maybe his, like, uh, neck. I don't know, neck, (laughs) arm, (laughs) given the hurts. (laughs) Let's just say say they get Flacco to be some guy they could trade away for, for a billion picks. And then what? They go into this cycle of, of drafting guys like, like Rager, and they think, oh, yeah, we just, oh, after our, our, our factory of, of QBs, we just swapped out and we got these sweet draft picks. And who did we use them on? We used them on cardboard. Like, what's the, what's the point? It's not like they have, you they're even good get at draft. a million picks for, for Flacco. <laughs> exactly. Like, not like cardboard. Flacco would have to more quarterbacks. Over his head. Draft more quarterbacks to get more capital to draft more quarterbacks for the quarterbacks that will never from- play. After Trey Lance, we're going to get the guy from North Dakota State every year for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Good times. Anyway, Andrew Marshall, I've noticed that you have joined. I'm not sure if you're still in the woods or something, but how are you? Good evening. I'm pretty good, White. Happy to be here. Yeah, just went on a little hike. I told White about it earlier, but yeah, happy that we can get part of the show in. Hey, it didn't, it didn't seem like a little hike. It seemed like you were, you were going across the country today. Where, where, where have you been? I've been all over. I went somewhere in Berlin. They've got this nice hiking area. I went up north, like New Hartford area. So I, I've been all over. 
Nice. Nice. Well, happy to have you. Happy to have you. Just been talking about some trading and stuff in the draft world. And now we will we will move on. Unless, Justin, were you about to say something? I, I was just going to say that's crazy that uh, Marshall hiked the way to Berlin, Germany. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty hype. <laughs> yep. He walked across water, actually. Didn't even swim. Pretty crazy. Uh, all right. So for anybody, that was a joke from both me and Justin. If you're unaware of the New England geography. Okay. Moving on to... So the NFL season now has 17 games, as Justin mentioned a couple of times earlier on this show. We have a picture on our Google Doc for the show that kind of show all the games. I'm going to just read them really quickly to everybody, and then everybody on the panel is going to tell me which game they're the most excited about. So we got Packers-Chiefs, Bears-Raiders, Vikings-Chargers, Lions-Broncos, 49ers-Bangles, Cardinals-Browns, Rams-Ravens, Seahawks-Steelers, Saints-Titans, Buccaneers-Colts, Panthers-Texans, Falcons-Jaguars, what a game, Eagles-Jets, Cowboys-Pats, Giants-Dolphins, and the Washington football team, Bills. Okay, people, not including your favorite team, what is the game that you are most excited about? Because this season just got bigger, according to the NFL. We'll go with Kev first. Well, for me... I have to go the LA Rams and I have to go the Baltimore Ravens, right? That's one of the matchups. Yes, sir. Because can see based off the graphic, but for me, I'm really intrigued with Stafford because to me, this is a legacy year for Stafford. Um, When he's at, when he was in Detroit, either felt like he was a guy who was suppressed by the organization and the system, or he felt like a guy, like he was a guy who was overrated as just purely a fantasy quarterback. And now I think, the verdict will come due this year, largely with Stafford, where he's playing in a big market. He's playing in L.A. Legacy with L.A. in it. And we get to figure out, you know, what is Matt Stafford? What? How will we think of his career? You know, he's 33, and at this point, he's a guy who's looking, he wants to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, for the Ravens, we're looking at Lamar Jackson, fourth season, um, third full season, and we have to see now if their offense develops a little bit more because at times it felt stagnant. At times it felt like the passing game wasn't great. So more evolution from Lamar potentially, and then add in Stafford. To me, that's the most intriguing game in my opinion. That'll be a great game for sure. Justin, I want to ask something real quick before I give a take. For the these 17, are these all games added in random spots in the schedule or at the end? They're all going to be random spots within the schedule. Okay. Well, I'm going to make, I'm just going to say something. If the 49ers Bengals game is anywhere in the future of their schedules, I'd be most excited about that one for the sole reason that if that third, if that third pick does start at QB by that point in the season, Joe Burrow can finally play. And if Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase on his team as well, I'll be very excited to watch the young offensive game that that will entail. But Kev, I like your pick as well. The Rams Ravens, that'll be a sweet game for sure. I like yours, White. Hey. I really do. I didn't think of it. Hey, I mean, a few things would need to happen in the draft for sure. But but yes, um, Justin. I mean, Packers Chiefs is just an out of this world game for sure. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I, I I shed a single tear of happiness when I found out the Eagles get a game with the Jets. I can't, <laughs> can't be upset about that. But I'm going to talk about a game that I think is very interesting I I gotta say the Jaguars Falcons kind of draws me a tiny bit that Falcons defense has never been really good 
gives up a lot of points. I'll be interested to see what kind of opportunities that gives whoever's starting there. I'm going to assume Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'll be very interested to see what Trevor Lawrence does against a weak NFL defense. Like that could be the real coming out party game for Trevor Lawrence, where you give him that weak Falcon secondary, you give him the offensive line he needs. They have the wide receivers they need. I would love to see Trevor Lawrence be like, here's my 450 yards and four <laughs> touchdown game. Um, I, I just think that'd be really, it's a, it's a cool opportunity for the rookie to get a defense like that and show off what he might be able to do as he develops. Definitely. Definitely. Marshall, were you able to look at the graphic? I know you've been <laughs> hiking the woods. so. Yeah, no, I've, I was able to look at it. So I was thinking Chiefs-Packers is probably the most interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. I really want to see what happens with this new Chiefs offensive line. The way that their like, scheme is set up and kind of just how they're built as a team, where they're good. The Chiefs, I, I've always felt like offensive line, well, it just didn't matter as much for the Chiefs. Like, their, their skill positions were so good that their team is a little backwards. So, I want to see how they handle um, the Green Bay Packers defensive line because Rashawn Gary, I think, is, is really going to kind of blow up next year. And if that's the case, this Packers D-line could be really interesting. The other one is is what Kevin mentioned in the, the Ravens-Rams. White, I think I'm like you where I think the Rams are going to be really good next year. And I think that the Ravens, I want to see, like, what what offense, like, what changes to this offense are going to happen because they need to improve a lot in the passing game. But the Ravens have made so many good decisions over the past couple of years that I think they have a lot of talent on their team too. And the Monday night, uh, you got to consider the Monday night game from when um, the Ravens absolutely just steamrolled um, the Rams. So, that's another interesting one. Definitely, definitely. I'm excited for that. I, I you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that that Stafford man that he does well. Um, uh, hey, hey, maybe you know what? I, I'm looking at these games, kind of excited about uh, Giants Dolphins a little bit, depending on the draft, of course. But we'll see what happens. These are these are some cool games, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad they're around. I know it's tough on the players, but exciting time. Okay. We're doing a little rankum segment here, and this is going to be with the quarterbacks of this coming draft. Those being, in our opinions, the top ones of, in no particular order, uh, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. So, boys, we are going to be ranking them. I will start, and I'm going to go with, with Lawrence at the consensus, number one, at least I think. Then I'm going to go, I don't, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm going to say Justin Fields, but that doesn't mean I think he should be drafted second, if that makes sense. But, so Justin Fields, and then Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance will be last. That is my take. Uh, Justin. So, I, I, I'm going to start at five and work my way down. It builds suspense. Yeah, you're right. I should have done that. I'm uh, sorry. But um, Mac Jones is my fifth, and he is my far and away fifth. I honestly, I put him in this conversation just because we talked about top five quarterbacks and like who's going to probably be drafted in the first round. I will never buy in on an Alabama quarterback. I was not sold on Tua. Yep. Uh, I'm not sold on Mac Jones. It, Alabama just doesn't seem to produce the kind of quarterback prospects that other schools do. 
So I have a really hard time buying in to Mac Jones being any more than like a Jarrett Stidham level. And I think that's offensive, but I think it's how I actually feel. Um, so Mac Jones, five, Trey Lance, four. Um, I think there's also, a, I think there's a big difference between um, Mac Jones and feet and uh, Lance. And I think there's a big difference between Lance and the top three. Um, I, I think Lance could be suitable um, do I think he's like a franchise quarterback? I'm not quite sure. Um, but he's definitely someone that like you could throw into like a quarterback battle with someone like Sam Darnold. And I think it could be very interesting. Um, number three, I- I'm going to go with Wilson at this point. Um, I like his arm. He had a really good pro day. Um, am I sold based off of how his schedule was and like how, and how his team is? And like, what do I think he's going to be like in the NFL? I think there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts to be associated with that. Um, so that's just me kind of being like, I'm not 100% sold on the prospect. And I'm going to say my number two is going to be Trevor Lawrence. I understand where the hype is for Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a strong arm passer. I think he has decent speed. I think he has the capability to be a very good pocket strong arm passer. But I do not think he is athletic as Justin Fields is. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is your standard. Like he is going to do a lot of good stuff for you. He's going to be a guy who can get you in the playoffs. But if I'm going to name someone who can be a difference maker for a team right out the gate, I, I think Justin Fields will really be a difference maker for wherever he lands. And I, I don't disrespect any team that takes Lawrence first and Wilson second. I understand that. I think there is a lot of risk associated with fields just because like a lot of teams aren't as sold on the running quarterback as we were five years ago but i i just think justin fields he's so athletically gifted that it's hard to not imagine that he is like i i think he's the next like russell wilson caliber deshaun watson caliber player i really think he's going to reach that kind of level i mean russell wilson was a third line third rounder and he beat out matt flynn for the starting job randomly everyone was like who's russell wilson and he <laughs> and he's done fantastic ever since. I, I really think, like, I was going to give, like, a very quick comparison. I, I think um, that Justin Fields is probably the Russell Wilson of this league. I think Trevor Lawrence has probably Andrew Luck caliber play. That's where I have them at. All right. Respectable for sure. I, I respect that take. And, Kevin, we'll go with you, and then we'll end it off with Marshall. Sure. I, I think I have to go Lawrence one. I mean, I – Lawrence, to me, of all the quarterbacks, I'd be shocked if he's not good. I can't see Trevor Lawrence not being good. I mean, it took until his second season in college for him to lose a game between, I think it was high school and college. It was the championship game against LSU. That was the first time he lost a football game. And, I mean, just the eye test, everything, to me, he clearly has it. Number two, I'd probably go Zach Wilson because I didn't watch a lot of Zach Wilson during the year. But Chris Sims said that he's a high-level guy. Chris Sims has him won. And I wanted to look at Zach Wilson, and from what I saw on YouTube, just trying to go through games or whatever, I mean, Zach Wilson's really impressive. I do have questions, though, about where he would land and the talent around him, potentially, if he does land somewhere. So he's more of a boomer bust guy, I feel like, than Lawrence. But I don't know, three, I'd probably go Mac Jones because I, I can't, I can't not respect the season he had. And I think, too, just when I look at him, he's a guy who smooth quarterback, feet's always set properly, guy who just always doesn't have a hitch at all in his throws. I mean, 
He's his throws are always on the money. It seems too. I mean, obviously he played in a great environment at quarterback and that can't be discounted, but I would probably go Mac Jones third, Justin Fields four. He had an up and down season. I mean, the game against Indiana, he was up and down that game. And there were times where it felt like how, how good is he now? There were questions sometimes about the running game and there were questions sometimes about the receivers and they came on strong at the end, but lost in the championship. I have him at four. And Trey Lance, I, I didn't see any of Trey Lance, but I would probably go Trey Lance five, just because, again, I have to respect the guys before and their level of competition, I think, over Lance at this point. Okie dokie. Marshall. So I've got Trevor Lawrence as one. I think that his ceiling isn't as high as I think some people think it is, but I think his floor is probably easily the highest player in the draft and I think his floor is about a Pro Bowl level floor I just don't know if he's going to be like a top five guy just based on what I think um, but the unique thing about Trevor is he's six six. he's really long um, he's fairly well built even though he's kind of on the thin side but he's able to play in a much more compact style than a lot of six six quarterbacks because he's not very long um, in like his overall delivery and I think that that's a huge advantage in terms of like navigating the pocket and he's a great athlete. So yeah, Lawrence, he's my number one player in the class. Um, I'm also really high on Zach Wilson. And I think it's because he kind of had like a Eureka moment, I guess, where he kind of just like figured out football. Um, it's tough because like he was on a good team too, relative to like who he was playing, but so was Lawrence, so was Fields. And so is Lance, actually, and Mac Jones. Literally all five of these quarterbacks were on the teams that were, like, designed to win. So that that, that is a very interesting point about all these guys. Because um, it's interesting when you look at, like, a Josh Allen where he was not expected to win a lot of games. Um, but I think that I, I was talking with a buddy about this, and I said we kind of agreed that we thought, feel, we thought Wilson is either going to be, like, okay or, like, pretty good or he's going to be, like, actually insanely good because of the arm talent stuff, and it looks like he has, like, signs of major instincts playing the position. So I think there's a bunch of outcomes for his career, but I think the high-end ones are, like, legit. Then I have a little bit of a gap, and for me, I have Lance at three and Fields at four. The problem – I'll talk about Fields because Lance – the issue with Lance is sample size. He's thrown 318 pass attempts in his college career, and he played one game this year. Like, Lance is such a mystery card because I think he's really smart. He's got really high-end tools. But there is a lot that we don't know about him. There's probably likely weaknesses that they just don't show themselves because it's not a huge sample size. Um, and Fields is weird because Fields I, – I feel like I should like Fields a lot. And I don't know. Because with Fields, I watched his tape against Indiana, which was like a disguise-based coverage defense. They split from cover two to cover three. And Fields was just same, – same with the Northwestern games. I think it's hard for him. Like, he can go through his reads. I just think that he can be a little bit slow to, like, pull trigger when he needs to. And some of the things he does on a football field don't really make sense. And there's some mechanical stuff there, too. But he's, he's the hardest guy for me to figure out because I can't see situations in which Fields is actually, like, really, really good. 
Um, and then I have Jones at five, but I think he's definitely still worth a first-round pick. Um, I actually think now he's a little bit underrated or overrated by whoever you talk to. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm reading what Justin put in the chat. Justin, you want to say what you put in the chat? I think it was pretty funny, actually. Yeah, um, I always relate every quarterback that class back to the 2012 draft class because I think the 2012 draft class had every other kind of quarterback you could name. I mean, between like Russell Wilson, RG3, Andrew Luck, Brandon Whedon, Tannehill, you had like Keenum in that draft class, and it, that it was a wild draft class. Um, but I, I was talking about I, I think Trevor Lawrence is kind of like the Andrew Luck of that draft class. I have a uh, Justin Fields is kind of like a Russell Wilson, RG3 type. Um, I, I think Trey Lance is probably like the Case Keenums of the world. He'll probably have his spot starts here or there, but I don't think he'll ever solidify. Um, I think Zach Wilson's a Kirk Cousins level player. I, I think you're going to see him be able to manage an offense well, but I don't think he's ever going to peak high enough to take your team to a promised land. And um, I, I mistyped here, but I, I think Mac, I think Mac Jones is uh, the Brandon Whedon of the draft class. I Oof. love Brandon, Oof. but Oof. Um, yeah, you met him. He'll, Yes, I did. He'll have a couple. He'll have a couple sweet spots, but he's definitely like the Brandon Whedon, maybe the Brock Osweiler. All right, all right. Osweiler. We're getting a little bit mean to him, man. Come on, let him let him try Ooh. out the NFL first. You know. Ooh. Hey, twenty twelve is a fun draft class. I love comparing any quarterback I can find to them. Uh, I get it. I get. It. I get. It. Okay. <laughs> okay. What NFL team is just one draft pick away from the playoffs? And I mean specifically this draft. Is just one pick away from the playoffs. I'll give my answer first, and that is the New York Giants. And if the New York Giants do not get either a Jalen Waddle or a Devonta Smith, because yes, I do agree that Pitts would probably not be there anymore. If they don't get one of those two players, it may be one of the dumbest organizations in terms of drafting I've ever seen in my life. But I think if they get one of those two, they are right in the playoff hunt. Uh, I will swing it to Kevin first. Took my answer white. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you're you're so right. I mean, God, this team's they're they're so close. The defense, it, the defense, so good. They got a Dory Jackson. They somehow I think got a better defense this year, potentially. And I mean, yeah, they lost Alvin Tomlinson. That hurts a little bit depth wise. But I mean, this team is very close. If they could just get maybe one guy, one wide receiver. And it could be Waddle, it could be Smith, it could even be Pitts, maybe. Um, they just need a vertical passing attack because they haven't had the athletes on the outside in years. And if they get an athlete on the outside, sling the ball down the field, and then you're not going to have to load the box on Saquon. So I like that's the other thing too. Saquon Barkley is going to be back, and if they do running back by committee, maybe they keep him fresh. I mean, the whole line was run blocking better later on. I mean. To, to me, it's them. I, I could be, I, I'm completely biased, but you know, that's me. <laughs> that's fair. Marshall, your take. So I think that the Giants actually are the answer for the team that's one player away from becoming a playoff team. It's really two because it's like Jones's development, but I think if you could get Jalen Waddle on that team um, or like a Rashawn Slater type, I think that offense could could actually be really good. And I almost I would want to go the lineman. I, I don't think Pitts is going to be there, so I'm, I'm right. not even factoring in right. 
But I think that the Giants might be that team. Um, and the other team is probably the Chargers. I think the Chargers are an offensive lineman away from becoming a playoff team because they just added Corey Lindsley um, and some good depth players as well. So I think if they get it, I mean, the difference between like Sam Tevy last year and like a Slater or Derisaw would be insane. So I think that team would actually be really good if they got one. All right, Justin. You know, I think if this organization made the right trade or right move, I really think the Patriots would be are the one piece away. If they could somehow find themselves in that fourth spot on draft night, I, I really think that would solidify them. I, I literally think that Trey Lance is better than Cam Newton at this point. And I just told said that Trey Lance is like Case Keenum, so that's saying something. <laughs> um I, I I honestly think if they brought in a Trey Lance or honestly maybe even Mac Jones, I'll go as far as to say that their team, based off how they've built it right now, could be easily in the playoffs. I think that's the team that's like I wouldn't consider a playoff team right now. That I would just say if you switch made a quarterback change, that they would instantly be in my playoffs at least as a six seed. They they have too many weapons not to work out. I just really don't like um, building around Cam Newton. All right, respectable. I kind of like that Chargers pick, Marshall. Did the Card? Am I dumb here? Did the Cardinals make the playoffs last last year? No, they didn't make it. Um, but they added what Rodney Hudson for it, offensive line. Yeah, Hudson as well as I mean, we could say AJ Green if that matters a little bit. Uh, yeah, and JJ Watt. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think Green's just go on, go on. So Green is like he's still got talent. He played so bad this year. He's got to like redial back in because a lot of his tape was just like his focus was so poor this year and I think that might just be related to wanting to get out of Cincinnati but I'm keeping a, I'm keeping an eye on him this year because he still has the talent I'm not, I'm not like writing him off yeah Cardinal, Cardinals could be one away too but I, I'm, I'm very curious to see who takes Matt Jones Mac Jones and Trey Lance I, I'm very curious to see what teams either trade or don't trade and take them I want, to, I want to see what happens and if they play this year at all. Um, all right, let's move on. We'll go now. There's just a couple of NBA things, and then we'll end off with a few other quick questions. Uh, best NBA trade deadline move. What are we thinking here? Uh, we'll go with we'll go with Juicy J. What do you think? I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon going to the Nuggets. I mean... It wasn't Oladipo, like I said, but I, I really am a true believer that the Nuggets needed to make a move, and I think they made a good move, and they made a move that has youth to it. So, I mean, if they're able to figure out the pieces and the money, and I think their time might be closing on figuring that out, I mean, I think the Nuggets have put themselves in a much better position than they were before the deadline. So, it's a team that's on the cusp of being a finals contender. So, let's see if it makes the, the change at the dial. How about you, Kev? So for me, I thought Aaron Gordon too. and But I, I think if I'm going for a different move, I actually think this one's underrated. Rajon Rondo to the Clippers. When you look at what the Clippers gave up, they gave up two second rounders. They gave up Lou Williams, who hasn't been playing great this year, kind of been a shell of himself as, you know, former sixth man of the year. But the thing with the Clippers is they've struggled, I think, getting – true point guard play out of the point guard position. 
where having a guy who can find people and set them up consistently, they have guys who are good passers in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but that's not, that's not their specialty. They're pure small forward type guys. Um, and with Rondo, I think we saw it when he was with the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, just the difference it made on that Pelicans team when they upset, when they upset Portland. And I want to say it was 2015 Rondo Rondo's actually become, I used to think Rondo was overrated when he was on the Celtics because he wasn't a good shooter then, but now with his improved shooting, I think he's shooting 34% from three. I could be wrong, but he's not great from three, but he's almost become underrated in the impact he can have because he's like a super, a super role player or a super sub potentially if you get him in a series. Sure. And Marshall. So I think I'm going to go with Aaron Gordon too. I'm not going to overthink this one. I think it adds a lot of like flexibility overall to like the Nuggets front court. And I think it's interesting because Gordon can kind of do some stuff that like, I like the three and four. And if you want to go like small ball lineups for like just a little bit um, or part of a substitution, I think you can do that. And I think it just gives like Gordon's another player who's just a crazy, crazy athlete. And so I think that, Sometimes when you add those players, you kind of give yourself the chance that in case that they kind of figure it out and just put everything together, these guys can have like crazy high ceilings. I think Gordon, even this far into his career, still kind of falls under that category. So I think Gordon has like more upside too in case he does develop, and that would really change the Nuggets. All righty. And I'm now going to... I'm going to merge the next two questions here. Um, with Andre Drummond moving to the Lakers, first of all, how big is the impact on that? And second of all, do we dislike what the Lakers and the Nets seemingly are doing, which to me is bringing best friends to their uh, their driveway and just shooting hoops in the NBA together? Um, I'll be honest with you, I hate it. It's not fun. It ruins the NBA, in my opinion. And I do think the Drummond thing uh, impacts the Lakers a lot in terms of rebounding, at least. I mean, a Gasol down there is really not that great, as well as anybody else at center for them. So I think it does move the needle a lot, but it pisses me off. So I'll put it that way. Uh, Kevin. So what part do you want me to answer first? Either one. Either one. The whole health of the league overall. Do both. Because that might be the juicier one. Sure. Go for Um, it. I can't say I'm upset by it, at least yet, because while the Nets are number two in the East, the, the Lakers have, I think they're now at five potentially, or, or four is it, in the West. I have to check the standings again. But they've been trending down because Anthony Davis and LeBron have been injured. And getting Drummond solidifies a strength, but I can't say that it boosts them up and improves a potential weakness, which has been their three-point shooting all year. There's an article on the rare courtesy of Zach Ram. And if you pull up their shooting as a collective, they're only shooting 34% from three as a team and it's ranked 23rd in the league. So they're sandwiched between the Pistons and the thunder, not offensive stalwarts. And I think in a make or miss league where the three is becoming more valuable, we saw they got hot last year from three with Caldwell Pope and those guys. I mean, they don't have one three point shooter. I think over 37% other than Jared Dudley, and he's not getting minutes. So 
I have concerns about this Laker team going into the postseason. The Nets, I think, will be fine if they're healthy. But this season, it's going to be the ultimate test whether the regular season has any effect on the postseason. Because we're seeing teams like Utah, Philly, they're at the top of their conference. We're even seeing teams like Phoenix emerge. Will these teams that are winning in the regular season, will they move far in the postseason? Or will teams like the Lakers and the Nets just come back and annihilate everybody? I mean, I, I would venture towards the later. But again, older players approaching their mid-30s, it could be a change of the guard or it could just be the inevitable. All right. Marshall, do you feel the same way or what are your thoughts on those two programs? I'd probably say pretty similar. I think I think Kevin kind of got this one. All right. Sounds good. Justin, differing opinion or not? I think I differ on the Lakers versus the Nets, actually. Um, I'm very for what the Lakers have done. I feel like they gave up appropriate value to build the team they built. Um, what they gave up for D'Anthony Davis makes a lot of sense. I just don't feel like I've seen the Nets give up anything to build what they have. I mean, they've gotten – I mean – Kevin Durant and Kyrie just kind of came to them. I mean, Harden, I don't feel like they gave up substantial value for what Harden was worth. Um, I think the Rockets kind of stole him. I think Harden knew that he had leverage to get traded for weaker value that the Nets would take him. So I kind of think it was a bit forced in that way by Harden. And I feel like I don't like, it seems a bit slimy in my opinion. Um, And just picking up Aldridge and Griffin, who I know are past their prime, but still name-worthy players. By via buyout, it's it, it just doesn't feel like the Nets gave up as much to build such a team as the Lakers have. So I have a bit more appreciation for what the Lakers are doing. I understand, I do think Drummond moves the needle, and it is another buyout. And I think um, buyouts might be hurting the league a bit at this point in the season. Um, but I definitely give a bit more appreciation to the um, Lakers at this point. Jeff, go for it. I agree with what you're saying, Justin, because the Nets as a team, you're right. They came together what felt like randomly. They were a team that was built primarily through guys who were second rounders or developmental guys, and then they became a playoff team kind of fast after, you know, the Billy King years. I I think what you're seeing with players now is they're managing the careers a lot like general managers of NBA teams have done. Well, guys will go to a team And they're thinking, maybe not of the players who are currently there, but are they assets? What can they get me in the future? When the Nets were built, um, they had guys like Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. I mean, they had a lot of good young players. But I think what you're seeing is if there's a move to get a superstar or someone they know, they'll make that move like a general manager. And you know, there was a talk about, hey, the culture of the Nets, that's what attracted them. I think a lot of team players, and they're not going to say it, what attracts them to a team are the assets and the market. If you have a market like Brooklyn and you have guys who are quote-unquote assets like a Levert, guys are going to ask for trades or try to move them around like a GM would, potentially. I mean, even though they're not going to say that they did sign, that they did make those trades to players, those trades don't get done unless the players sign off on them. Like you're not going to trade people and not ask Kevin Durant. You're not going to trade people and not ask Kyrie Irving. So I think that's the way the NBA is right now. 
And I think it's still debatable whether it's good or not for the league. All right. All right. Well said. Thank you, folks. Uh, finally, in terms of the NBA, finally, uh, do we have updated NBA Finals predictions or do we all want to keep the same? I'm personally going uh, Nuggets and Heat now that they got the all of the depots. Uh, not, not that it moves the needle that much, but it just seems fun to just say Heat Nuggets because boy, oh boy, do I want the Nets and the Lakers to not be there. But that's just my take. Um, Justin. Uh, I'm going to stick with my uh, bite my tongue answer and go with Sixers over Lakers still. All right, Kevin. You know, I'm going to go Lakers, Lakers, uh, Nets. I, as much as I think it would be cool if you saw a small market team like Utah get in and, you know, they, they've had a really good season and they've played and they've all those guys have contributed well, as much as I think that would be cool for the NBA, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, and Andrew Marshall. I'm going to stick with Clippers, uh, Clippers, Sixers. I think Sixers are going to win. Realistically, the Nets are climbing really far up there. The one, I feel like basketball is probably just as irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. I mean, we get this every year when you get March Madness and you get the draft and basketball kind of takes a backseat. I don't know. There's just not like a ton of urgency for like, me to even watch games and I'll watch like more games like after the fact but I'm I'm not like there's not a ton of urgency for I think a lot of people to just kind of sit down and watch this basketball is a sport where the fans kind of have a huge influence over it especially when the season is so long so I think it really is just a different different kind of time for it totally totally I agree uh Kev you're you're gonna say something or is your hand already up I don't remember yeah, I just actually have a question for you guys because I'm curious about your input. Do you think the NBA championship, because of all the moving, and because I'm getting this sense from you guys, do you feel like it's one of the easier championships to win in professional sports? Sounds like a crazy question, but when, you, when you're thinking about free agency decisions, if you're comparing it to, say, the Stanley Cup, where there is a lot of team building that goes into it, and it's a long season, the playoffs are long, or March Madness, how random it is. Yeah, is it, I, sorry. Yeah, I I think it's the easiest by by thousands of percents. Yes, thousands. <laughs> I mean, for me, uh, here's the thing. For me, the biggest thing is the fact that it's also a series, right? So you can't just like I recognize yeah. that hockey is a series, but in hockey, a lot of players, you know, worse teams can beat better teams in hockey all the time. Um, but in basketball, with the fact that it's a series as well. Like, if March Madness was series-driven, it would be the same thing. Like, you would know, the, like, what team was winning most of the time, or at least you'd have an idea of who was going to be there, depending on whatever. But it's not. It's a one-game thing. Yeah. If the NBA was that way, I'd feel the same. But it's just not, and these teams just buy who is good enough, at least in recent years, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the high-end talent is so rare that when these guys get together, it, they're almost unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, Justin, yeah, um, oh, go, on. go on, Marsh, my bad. Yeah, Kevin's got a really good point. I, I think the the underlying thing of this is that basketball used to feel more like there was like a natural order to the sport, meaning that like like there was just like like physicality kind of balanced out skill. 
just in like how the sport works. Now it's like so far towards the skill end that it just doesn't feel as like physical really, or I don't know. It doesn't feel like quite as like authentic. Football is always going to keep that baseball. I don't know. Baseball is baseball, but it, it does just feel different now. Yeah. <laughs> baseball now is baseball. <laughs> NBA is more finesse now. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at repeat champions, I I think you see the NBA have a lot more of the same finals. I think they, um, there was some kind of video that joked when I think uh, LeBron played for either the Cavs or the Heat. It was like LeBron James versus Steph Curry in the year 2070, basically. Um, (laughs) It it just looked like that those kinds of matchups were never going to end. And I'll just go to the other end and I'll say, I think the MLB might be the hardest. I think there's, even though it's a series, yeah. and I think that makes the NFL tough too, um, not having a series. I just think in the MLB, there are so many factors and changes you're making in-game. Like, if your starting pitcher doesn't have a good outing, like, how early do you yeah. take them out? What do you do? I, I think the MLB is the hardest. Just even though it's a series, you're making so many in-game changes, and you have so many options of how to change your in-game. You just don't change personnel in other games like you do in the MLB. So I, I, I really think that makes the MLB the hardest. Yeah, true. Giving some respect to the MLB. I I love that. Look at us. Look at us. Okay. Let's end our show with a couple quick bangers real quick. I just said quick twice. Aha. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm dying over here. So, um... Slick. What'd you say? That, that's that's quick-witted right there. Slick. Oh, thank you, thank you. Okay. Um, In terms of the MLB, I... I I wrote a question. I'm not sure if I really. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. No, I'm not gonna change it. The best hitter and the best pitcher, and the best team, in the MLB for the upcoming season in honor of it starting tomorrow. Those are the three questions. Hit me with it. I'll go first. Hitter, huh? <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the train of Tatis that I've been riding for three years that everybody's been hopping on. Obviously, I don't blame you. Uh, pitcher, I feel like I'm going to be lame and stay with Cole. And best team in baseball, I'm going to say the Padres. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go and say the Padres. Okay, Kevin, I feel like you'd have answers pretty quick. Yeah, I'm going to go best pitcher. I'm going to go Jacob deGrom. Best hitter, I'm going to go Juan Soto. And best team, L.A. Dodgers as of right now. Okay, respect. Jay Ellis. Yeah, uh, I'll say best hitter. I I, I want to say Mike Trout, but I'm going with Kev. I think it's Juan Soto. That that guy had, was the only guy that even reached Mike Trout's on base percentage, and I think his power is out of control. And he started last season with COVID. Yeah. Um, and I think that really sets momentum for his season. I, I think a healthy start. I mean, I know he's day to day right now, but he's expected to start opening day tomorrow. I, I think he's a killer. Um, as far as pitching goes, I want to say Garrett Cole but I'm really going to bang my fist again for Luis Castillo for the Reds. Um, I okay. think he is an amazing pitcher. He just really gets beat by all these like one Oh losses that the Reds keep getting. So if the Reds even play like 5% better, I think Luis Castillo could easily win a Cy Young with a better record. Um, and as far as best team, I am going to say, Dodgers right now, but uh, it, it's it's a, basically a tie between Dodgers Padres. Okay. Uh, Andrew Marshall, the Dodgers fan. 
So I was looking back at a couple of players. I was looking back at Yelich. I think that he's not really a candidate for it, but 44 homers and 30 stolen bases two years ago, which is pretty impressive. I think it's going to be Trout. I think Trout's going to have another kind of like mid-career renaissance. And you better because he's making a good amount of money. But 45 home runs two years ago, I think part of it, you know, and that's only 600 at-bats. I think if he can get more plate appearances, he's led the league in OPS – or, sorry, he's led the league in o, uh, on-base percentage four of the last five years, and this year was a shortened year. And pretty much he's the same way with OPS slugging, OPS plus. Like, he's he's kind of the guy. One MVP two years ago, so I think that he's going to have a really good hitting year, maybe 47 home runs. Sweet. You got a favorite team, pitcher? Oh, no, I don't watch baseball games <laughs> that much. <laughs> He's like, I got prepared for the hitting question. Nothing else, Whitey. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> uh, good. Hey, 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 that was good research on the trout thing. I, I love you for that, so thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, new, fi- <laughs> new Final Four predictions for the men and the women. Now, Justin caught me off guard. With the women one, no disrespect to the ladies, but I focus so hard on the men's ones, I'll, I'll, I don't really watch the women's one. So thank you, Justin, for pointing me in the right direction. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. I'm going to say, so South Carolina, in my opinion, has been blowing people out of the water. Not out of my opinion. That's what it is. Um, so South Carolina, UConn, that's what's going to happen. Uh, what's that girl's name? The freshman from UConn who's dirty. What, what's her last name? It starts with a B. Oh, Paige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot his. I forgot her last name. Yeah, so this is what's gonna happen on Friday. She's gonna go out there against Arizona. She's gonna drop thirty-one points, and and UConn's gonna win by twenty-five. That's what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, Paige Beckers. Yeah, she she's a beast. Anyway, um, and and for the men, I I mean I don't know why I messed with my bracket playing cute with it in the beginning, but uh, I think it's gonna be. Zags and Baylor by a million getting to the finals and Baylor I I honestly think is going to win by double digits in both of these games uh there's just something about them fundamentals passing shooting defense it's just better than everybody by a landslide so I mean they could blow it but they've yet to show any fear of that but uh we'll go to Justin next I know you are actually a female basketball enthusiast wasn't your bracket doing pretty well about a week ago uh yeah my my bracket's still killing I got three out of the final four correct nice um, so I'm pretty hyped about that. I have UConn winning it all. I'm going to stick with that. Um, if anyone didn't watch the end of that UConn-Baylor game last week. I actually did. You, it was you, pretty crazy. You should watch it. UConn went on a 19-0 run. Like, yeah. almost unheard of. Like, I, I, I can't even comprehend. And also, credit needs to be given to Arizona, a three-seed making the Final Four. They, they've trampled some opponents. And I thought Indiana would give them a run for their money and didn't. But I agree with um andrew that south carolina i mean it's hard to hold a a team this late in the game to uh how many was it it was 34 points in a elite eight game that that that's insane so you know i originally had stanford in my final two but i do think it's going to be uconn south carolina and uconn wins it um as far as the men's goes i picked gonzaga and baylor to begin with i'm going to keep picking gonzaga and baylor with gonzaga winning it um, so 
the Houston Baylor game might be very interesting or it might not be interesting at all. So um, <laughs> I want to wait, Justin, I, I got to give you my opinion on Houston. I know you said what you said before the bracket started and you were right. Houston went way further than I anticipated. But let me make something very clear. Number one, they had the easiest corner of the bracket after the good teams were losing very quickly. And two, they've they've almost blown it every game. And I know it's like, oh, but they didn't. But in the ends of these games, the teams they're playing weren't even playing well. And they and they still almost lost almost all of their games. In fact, I really think Rutgers should have beaten them in the second round. It, 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 like Rutgers was basically playing to not lose when they were up by 10 with three minutes left and they blew it. So hugely, hugely out on Houston, but who knows? Maybe they'll have the best game ever this weekend. So. You're telling me Houston. You're telling me Houston beating four double-digit seeds in a row doesn't impress you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know why. Oh, I'm so mean. You're right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just, I'm just salty that in a pretty big bracket, I've lost just because Houston went this far when they totally should have lost to Rutgers in the second round, but. That's that's besides being a hater. You're you're a hater that Javon Quinterly decommitted. He no, he goes he goes to Bama. He goes to Bama. Um, oh my bad. Yeah, hey, it's all good. It's all good. I do dislike that guy, but he's an egomaniac. Didn't like him when he was on Nova anyway. But anyway, Kevin, your takes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, that transition. Um, I mean, for me, I have to go UConn as a traditional favorite. I mean, I've watched a little bit of Page play and. She is, I think, a really special talent, just her vision. And, like, she has some and one mixtapes in terms of just, like, putting people on skates. Yeah. Um, I also think, too, it's a pretty cool connection that she has with uh, Jalen Suggs. I think they went to the same high school. They're friends. Really? And, yeah, like, I saw it on, I think, ESPN one day I was passing through. That's sweet. Yeah. So they're, they're friends. And I would have to say that, for the men, I'm going to stay with Gonzaga Baylor. Um, I favor Gonzaga because just eye test, I, I feel like Gonzaga is a better passing team. I mean, Baylor's probably the most prolific three-point shooting team in the country. So they could get hot and just potentially steamroll everybody, and I wouldn't be surprised. But um, I would have to go the Zags at this point, though. And I want it to happen, too. I want Gonzaga. I've picked them a couple years, and – It'd be good for the program. Mark Few's been a trooper there. So, you know, rooting for the Zags. For sure. For sure. Hey, Andrew Marshall? Yeah, I kind of feel like it's Gonzaga. So, I think, White, you're finally going to get your <laughs> your tournament wish. You're going you're gonna to predict it. You're not going to have to keep making this take for, for years to come. No, but... I'm going to have to when nobody else does, so it's none of this bandwagon BS. <laughs> And for, for the women's basketball, yeah, Paige, her vision is, like, it's fairly obvious, even if you're just, like, watching highlights. Um, yeah, if you want to, like, girls' basketball usually has better passing in it. Yeah. Um, now, obvi- now, obviously, like, physicality, like, they're just, they're not as big as guys and all that stuff. But in terms of actually, like, learning to, like, cut off ball and that kind of stuff, like, a lot of girls' teams are, like, better at those skills than some guys teams because it's just like it's more important in like how they like survive and can like exploit defenses it just it just factors in differently and it's a skill that a lot of guys like they just reject it yeah i must hear that one go on i must hear that one oregon girl who literally dunks in pregame all the time she's insane i can't remember her name off the top of my head 
But there's this one Oregon women's basketball player. Oh, now I gotta find it. <laughs> Is she the one on commercials? Yeah, I I think so. Oh, who was it? I mean, last year they had Sabrina on Seco, who was the number one overall in the WNBA uh, draft this past year. Like, she's insane. Ugh, I can't find it right now. But, man, Oregon has some crazy players. Like, they didn't make it to the Final Four, but their women's team is, like, probably one of the most athletic women's teams in basketball history. Was that was that your fourth team? It actually was not. I They were, like, a number six seed, so they had a tough road to begin with. But they upset the... They upset the Bulldogs early on. Right, so they, right. They made a good road. Right. All right, people. That will do it for our presentation of Kiyu Hot Takes. It's 8.20 p.m. I hope everybody enjoys their evening, and I hope everybody has or had a lovely Passover and a lovely uh, Easter coming up or whatever you may celebrate or not celebrate. Uh, just a good weekend for everybody around. Stay safe. Be happy. It's a great day to be alive. Sweet dreams, and go dogs. Yo, Bills, happy to be on. Thank you all. Bye. I guess I'll go. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, go Yanks. Tomorrow's opening day, playing Blue Jays. Uh, go on a run, hopefully win a World Series. Can't wait. Linebacker Micah Parsons for Penn State running a 4.39 on his pro day. Wow. Wow. Give it, to me, give it to me at number 12 the Eagles aren't taking wide receiver. Please, for the love of God. I, I love this guy so much. I don't care about his character issues. Give me, give me, give me. All right, folks. Sweet dreams and take it easy.